When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixty Cents Podcast. I'm your host Lucas with Jonathan, and we have a returning friend of the podcast with his own podcast, of course, Josh Reynolds. Josh, welcome back, man. It's been a while, fellas. What's happening? Lots changed since you were here. Jonathan wasn't on. We had Chris and Uriah, but you know what? We we things changed. We changed with them, and we're doing good. Off seasons in the law, so you know, figured you would be the most free during this time, so we give you a call. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm very, very glad and honored that you guys wanted to have me back on here. Um, always a good day when I get to chat some Sixers basketball, even even if the offseason has been actually very pleasant. I'm happy to start to slowly bring those uh, bring those topics back up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, John, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just ask you a few questions, mainly like, you know, related around you. So how's your offseason been, man? What you been doing this summer? Off season has been great. I do the same thing every year, and sadly, I wish that it would end in a uh, with a little bit better taste in my mouth. I think everybody would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, take a nice little break, social media break, just get off of all of it, disconnect. And uh, now I've been I, I dove in head first. So went to summer league, uh, Salt Lake City, Las Vegas. Nice. Uh, yeah, was was uh, going hard with both of those, and then. Uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm I think I've officially hit the part where I'm like getting that itch a little bit mm-hmm. or, yeah, we got we got baseball going, but I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for it all to come back. What about you? How, how have your guys offseason been? It's been yeah. better than the last couple of years, I, I'll say that, but I'm not the editor of the website anymore, so I don't have to worry nearly as much about <laughs> getting content out. Yeah, I was going to say it's busy over here for sure. Honestly, we've been pumping out articles in June and July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I well now you brought up the summer league. Now I got to ask. It's not on the agenda, but what player on that roster, summer league roster, really stood out to you? Not named Jaden Springer. I mean, okay, because I was gonna say Jaden, um, mm-hmm. mainly because I think the uh, everybody's eyes were on Jaden, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, being like, okay, he's probably the one, the only guy on that summer league squad who actually has a chance to crack the rotation. Yeah. Um, and so that's really, I think the main focus, obviously there were a few other dudes who I, look, I'm trying to be upbeat. I'm trying to be positive. It's I'm hard sometimes to... as a Sixers fan. We understand. <laughs> yeah. We understand the struggle. Yeah, man. It just, I, I don't know. It, it was funny going into this because obviously not having a pick, right? It's like, yeah. okay, going in and, and looking at this summer league squad, like who really are we going to look at? Because typically there's one guy who you draft and it's like, all right, great. Let's, let's take a look here. Let's see what's going on. Uh, but we didn't have that guy. And so it was, it was different. It was kind of fun looking at all the other teams and and looking at, at, uh, at their players. But I don't know, man, I, I know you said not Jaden Springer. I really liked what Ricky council brought uh, okay. him yep. just kind of being the, the athletic I mean, he's like the perfect summer league guy, right? Yeah. I think him, yeah. him and him and Smith were the two dudes where it's like you got a chucker and you've got a, a high flyer. Like, what else can you ask for in a summer league squad? 
Yeah, absolutely. I will say this. Uh, Council was good. I thought it was it was funny because they kind of hinted, oh, Petrusev is going to be our rookie this year. Come on, that, that's not a that's not a funny joke. But um, <laughs> I will say one guy that I was happy to see back in summer league was Ayer Smith. Um, yeah, yeah, he looked really good against us. He uh, put up some really good numbers. I didn't really get to follow him outside of that, but I'm I'm hoping that he did good and maybe he'll get a, into the G League this year and maybe work his way back. Because I, I look, I feel bad that Zaire didn't work out, and part of it's not on some of that's not on him. Yeah, like hundred percent. I, yeah. I agree with you. The the fact that he, I mean, take basketball out of it. The fact that he's alive um, is a huge yeah. win. So to see him back on a basketball court was a, I think that was a welcome sign for everybody. But I'm right there with you. It was, I mean, poetic justice, right? That he goes I, off I, again. I kind of want him back in Delaware, to be honest. But I know, I don't think that that avenue is really open. I yeah. don't, but it would be cool. It would, I mean, look. Jaleel came back to Delaware. He did. Thanks to a trade. <laughs> Bring him back. Zay. Man, I wonder what's going to happen to Jaleel. Gosh. I know. It, it's China. Funny that... Place in China. Probably. I mean, that's where we thought, you know, Montrez was going to go. But, you know, we'll talk about that more later. <laughs> we we said it on the pod like 20 times before free agency, especially after he opted out. We we're like, oh, yeah, he's going to go to China. Wow. Half the table's turned. Anyway. <laughs> Let's keep on going here. What's one thing what's what stood out the most to you last season? What's like the main storyline or just anything in general that really stood out to you from last season? I mean, it's going to just be lame. I'll give you two of them. The first one is lame cliche. I think it stands out for everybody is Joel Embiid finally wins the MVP that he deserves. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that's clearly the topic and any takeaway that we're taking from last season, that has to be it. Um, Obviously with, I mean, look, all of us, everybody in Philly, I think people outside of Philly, they want to see the Sixers do what they haven't done in forever and just get past the second round. It's yeah. a tale as old as time. I'm getting sick of talking about it. I'm sure you guys are just sick of talking about it. Um, but like I am a positive person. I always find the silver lining and winning the MVP of the entire league, I think is a pretty damn good silver lining. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's, that's my first takeaway. I just, I I don't know. I just, I really loved, I think that there was really no arguing you even had in the regular season. You even had Jokic people who were like, you know what? Joel deserves one. And I'm, it it was kind of like, you know what? All is right in the world. That's great. Look, did we think yeah. Jokic was going to go on this historic tear and end up winning it all and win the finals no, MVP no, the same year? No, 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 not at all. Chris did. Chris Klein did for sure. Chris, Chris actually did predict the Nuggets would win the NBA title before the season began. Well, that's. I mean, we need to get. I, I need to pick his brain on some other stuff. No, don't because it's all OKC Thunder. It's all OKC Thunder. <laughs> And and, and Jaden Springer and Jaden Springer. Springer and uh, Walker Kessler of the Utah Jazz. That's that's about it. That's about where his brain's at. OKC Thunder, Jaden Springer, Walker Kessler, and predicting and predicting things that I should put money on. Apparently, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Now I'm thinking, about, gosh, you're making. I don't want to get into that though. Anyway, anyway. So I'm going to I we had another question for this, but I'm going to save it towards the end because I didn't realize I actually repeated it. So I just deleted it and I'll let Jonathan ask it later. Jonathan, let's go ahead and go to the Sixers offseason, man. Yeah, I mean, Josh, obviously the the big news, right? James Harden, that saga has been going on since he initially requested the trade. So when you first like heard about that, were you initially surprised how this unfolded? Yes, Um I thought, and maybe it's just ignorant thinking, but I thought, hey, he finally found his way to Philly. He said that this is where he wanted to go. Brooklyn was just kind of a stepping stone to get there. I thought, you know what? This is the spot. He said multiple times is the best chance I've got at winning at this point in my career. He ends up taking less money last offseason in order to get P.J. Tucker, work some contracts out. I legitimately thought, like, great, Harden's the guy. Yeah, yes, he had little things in his game, and and which obviously all of us would have loved to see play out differently in the postseason. But I thought, you know what? Okay, great. At this point in his career, he's at least adapted his game. He's dishing the ball better than he ever has. He's actually shooting the ball when he does shoot it uh, at a decent clip. I did not see this coming at all. And 
uh, was blindsided by it. And now to the point when a dude opts back into his deal, um, you clearly see, and now we know that there is absolutely some animosity there. And uh, it, I've been shocked. I am, it's just dragging out every time that a, a Shams or Woj tweet comes out or a different article comes out. There's no bit of new updated news. It's just the same thing. We're going in circles at this point. Um, but yes, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I was shocked. I did not see this coming. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you, too. I think that that was kind of a surprise. I mean, I, I knew it was a possibility that he would like. I don't think anybody expected him to opt in and then ask to be traded. That I think yeah. that was the weird thing. Like opting in, just we assume that that usually means, oh, you're going to stay. We yeah. never think of an opt-in as a trade request. And I, th- I feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's the first time that something like that has happened. But that's has- how he knows. That's how he knows he can get to a uh, like more more options in where he could go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So because like nobody was going to sign him to a max uh, it, this offseason. It, like Houston was- dropped out as soon as uh, what uh, Udoka became coach. Yeah, it was the it was the straight up like, all right, I'm going to like strong play my hand here. Right. Where, okay, things maybe didn't go down like I wanted. Uh, Maybe some behind the scenes stuff. There are reports about his relationship with uh, upper management, everything like that. So him opting in is like, great, I'm going to get my way because he does have that big trade kicker in his contract as well. So that's today's NBA, man. You look at what's going on with Damian Lillard. Uh, you look at what went down. It happened quickly, but with Kevin Durant, like players are making these demands, forcing the teams to either match it or what's going to happen. He's going to sit out just like Ben Simmons did. He's you see, gonna, the, the only it, thing is, I don't think that that's that's not a strong leverage play for him like it was for Ben. Oh, it, most certainly not, because I mean he's got one year left in his deal, right? And it's, he's old, like, and he's already yeah. showing signs of decline. For sure. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I took less money. Here's here's truly what I believe happened. He ends up taking less money last year with a promise of, hey, this is the contract we'll give you next year. And that didn't happen. So by him opting into his deal, it's like, okay, great. Well, now I'm opting back in. So I'm demanding a trade. You either make it happen or I'm going to cause hell. And I hope that that's not what happens. You, you hear the quotes of Embiid, like, it's he hasn't been shy around all the players and the Sixers teammates. He's been seen with them multiple times. There are quotes from Embiid saying, "Yeah, no, I would love him here," um, but he is. All the reports say he's just steadfast and he wants out. And L.A. apparently is the only spot he wants to go. Yeah, well, it's interesting you're saying the uh, news coming out where it's just like here's news that there's no news. We actually had some uh, someone from the Portland Trailblazers saying the same thing about portland how he's getting frustrated with all these like breaking news still no news mm-hmm. um but with that how do you think this will be resolved you think he gets to la or, or how long do you think this might take that's an excellent question was just talking about this the other night i believe that i don't know to be honest i'm not sure how this plays out right because you look at this from la's standpoint and it's like great we're not gonna give up a bunch of pieces because you guys are in a terrible spot why would we give up good young pieces for somebody who has one year left on his deal, who has a proven track record of bouncing from teams he requests to get to? But then you also look at it from their perspective, and it's like, okay, realistically, they're maybe a year away from blowing that experiment up with Kawhi and Paul George together to no, maybe no fault of their own. They just can't stay healthy at the right time. That sucks. But at this point in time, it's like, okay, how much more time are you actually going to give this thing? So maybe it is a play where the Clippers are like, all right, let's actually get serious. Let's push all our chips in for one final run. Let's actually offer up some pieces that the Sixers would be interested in. But from the Sixers perspective, it's like, yeah, no, we're not just going to give you up. It's the same as Dame in Portland, right? It's like uh, just because you demand a trade doesn't mean that we're going to get worse just because that's what you want. So to be honest, I don't know. I, I can see it from both sides. And uh, if I were to bet right now, I would say that there is not a trade in place by the time my camp and stuff rolls around. Um, and then that's where it gets a little hairy because I, I does he show up? Does he cause just issues around the team? I have no idea. I wish I had an answer. I don't even know. I, I could see this going a million ways, but uh, I do not think there is a deal put in place by the time that guys actually show up for camp. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I 
<clears throat> I think there's a chance. If Harden is smart, which I assume that he is, he has to realize that he does not have leverage here. Because if mm-hmm. he comes into sh- camp out of shape, fat Harden suit, there's no way he's getting a max contract, no matter where he goes. It's yep. not happening. Yep. And he's not in the same position that he was two years ago. He's not, in, you know, and he's not the same player that he was two years ago. It's true that he won two games for the Sixers in the playoffs in the second round because of outbursts, but he couldn't replicate it. The other games, he he stunk. Like yeah, he ran it. Yeah. So I, he's not gonna get like. I think I told Jonathan, you know, I was like, if if I was a GM, just looking at, you know, hard and skill set, maybe a base salary of around 28 to 30 million a year as the starting point is where I start looking at for Harden because mm-hmm. he didn't make an all star. and he, He's an all star level player, but that's going to decline. And yeah. honestly, I would probably have a rescinding, a descending contract versus an ascending one in terms of salary. Yeah. So I. I think that there's a real chance that this plays out where Harden just plays out the year and see what he can get from Philly or anybody else, really. I think if he wants to get the max payday, he's going to have to be, a, you know, he's going to have to be a team player and a guy that shows up and tries, uh, you know, at least shows the appearance of trying, you know, if he wants to have a chance for a good payday. But I don't think he's going to get that. I don't look and some players can age gracefully so far. Harden's done that being able to adjust to a point guard position. But if, you know, we've heard rumblings about him being unhappy in that role. So if he can adjust, you know, and he decides to do the fat suit or doesn't show up or whatever. And Mm -hmm. there's a real chance that he's going to be offered the max, maybe a mid-level exception next year, one year mid-level kind of like prove it to me. I think if he if he doesn't come in and show that he can really be that really supportive second or third guy, depending on what Maxi does, I think long term money is going to be out of his reach and high paydays are going to be out of his reach because I don't think anybody would trust him anymore. And it's kind of hard to trust him now. Yep. I agree completely with what you said. I think that he I mean, I'll just say this. All the Houston rumors, uh, I think I saw right through uh, when they first started coming out. I mean, it just didn't make any sense at all. Um, And then obviously them not making a play and spending their money elsewhere, uh, which I think was the right move for them. But I think Harden saw firsthand uh, there is not a market for what I'm looking for out there right now. And I think that is exactly what happened. I think he ended up panicking and being like, okay, there is no offer. This offer that the Sixers said, hey, we're going to make you. Thank you. Give me less money uh, for the first year. I think him by him opting in is okay. In his eyes, he's like, great. Screw you guys. Uh, I'm you, you did me wrong. There's not a market for me, which I think I deserve. I'm opting in. And I'm going to try to just cause issues and force my way out. So I'm with you. Clearly, this is a prove-it year for him, whether it's in Philly, whether it's anywhere else. To get any type of money in the ballpark of what he's looking for, he has to step up. Look, besides disappearing in those playoff games, he actually had a pretty damn good year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But him disappearing in those playoff games, which is exactly why you bring him into Philly, that's the problem. So you're not giving that money to somebody who vanishes. And every team sees it. Every team knows it. Uh, looking around league-wide, especially with the new CBA and these contracts that are being thrown out, teams are being strategic. And I don't think that Harden's going to get the money he's looking for uh, anywhere unless he has this crazy prove-it year, um, which I would love to see, but I don't know where that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. So um, let's take you to the other uh, favorite topic on this podcast. We might be <laughs> the only people carrying the Montrez Herald to every single podcast conversation. But uh, what was your initial reaction to him signing? Um, I was shocked. Uh, I think yeah. just as everyone else was. Um, I will say this. Uh, Harold is uh, he is a good dude. We're not talking about him outside of just on the court. And on the court, he provided nothing. He it, it just is a head scratching move that doesn't make any sense. I think that this was another a deal where they maybe said to Harold, like, Hey, you're out of the rotation. You've lost your spot completely. Go out there, maybe just test the waters. And if there's nothing, then we'll bring you back on a vet minimum. But even then 
with all of the bigs that we decided to bring in this offseason, Montrez was just the the most head scratching, confusing. It, like because you might, could justify the rest of them. Oh yeah, the rest of them kind of makes perfect sense actually. Um, but this one, he must be like one hell of a, a locker room dude. Guys must really like him. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but I, <laughs> I think just just like you guys who have been in on this for forever. Um, I just I was baffled. I know I honestly was at like a loss of words. I I didn't understand it. Yeah, like we so said, you... like sorry, I was just gonna say like, yeah, no, because like I was just like he exercised player option. Like how yeah. like how stupid is that? Like sorry, like it's it was stupid. It was yep. stupid. Yeah, and he lost money. He lost a couple thousand dollars doing this. Yep, I would have just stayed put. Let you know, and you know what? Maybe ask for a trade. I mean, it hasn't worked out for Corkmaz yet, but you know, who knows? <laughs> Corkmaz, Cork two Cork. years running. Yeah, <laughs> two years running, right? Um, so. How do, so, Josh, how do you think the Sixers are going to respond to this? I mean, the, between us, it sounds like it's not too big of a deal, but they must have thought something bringing it back. So, do you think it impacts the team in any way? It's a great question, man. And then, obviously, with his injury news, like that's that's a. I, I mean, look, I don't want anybody to get hurt, even if it doesn't make sense on any roster. That sucks. So with him going out now, I don't know. I have no idea what this is going to look like. I don't know how it impacts the team. To be honest, this whole offseason was kind of head scratching for everybody and mm. a little bit frustrating. Um, but I, I don't know. Again, like he must be one hell of a locker room, dude. He must players on this squad must love having him around. Look, Paul Reed has come out and, and given Montrez his, his props. He said, yes, he's been a great vet to have on the team. He showed me the ropes. So maybe they're viewing this as just a, hey, we just need more mentors. Maybe this is a Nick Nurse thing. Maybe they involved him as well. Like, I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, and to be honest, I think that this is go before he got hurt. It was going to be the strangest. How does this roster shake up ever with him getting hurt? like how often is he going to actually be around the team now? Are they just going to use this, his contract then to unload at the deadline? Like there's so many different ways this can play out, but what a strange, strange deal all the way, the, all the way around. However you look at this, uh, I would say whatever side you're on, but let's be real. I don't think anybody was on the side of, Hey, let's bring him back. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, at least it opens a little, has a little less, you know, thought regarding yeah. to um, the, the, the rotation, because, you know, we we kind of it, like Paul Reed is probably going to get some more run at the four than what we are used to. And that's fine with me. Mo Bamba might get a look here or there, but Paul Reed's going to be the clear backup. Bamba is going to be the guy that gets minutes when Joel's out. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that this deal does, and I said this last podcast, I mean, this injury does, is that instead of seeing Petrusev exclusively in the G League, you might see him every once in a while in in a Sixers uniform. But I, you know, Petrusev is, and uh, I'll, I don't know how to say the guy's name, the two-way guy's name. Tabellus. Tabellus. Um, they're going to be in the G League primarily. Yeah, 100%. They're, yeah, 100%. They're, uh, they are Delaware bound. Absolutely. Um, so, Josh. Yeah, I, sorry. I just want to say this. I... I hope Montrez heals up. I, I wish nothing but the best for him, but what a strange, <laughs> the best way to describe it. What a strange yeah. ordeal. Absolutely. Strange. That's the yeah. word. Um, yeah. So yeah, a few other off season moves you can take any or all of these, but just wanted to get your thoughts on, I mean, re-signing Paul Reed with that uh, matching with the poison pill in Utah, um, getting Bamba, Pat Bev. You can even go with the, losing shake Jalen mcdaniels any of them what were kind of your reactions to all the rest of the moves that the sixers made this offseason excellent question so i've been on the pat get pat bev to philly train for forever i think okay. that he, he embodies what philadelphia is and philly will love him unfortunately i was on this train like five years ago uh, so we're getting him at a later age but look getting him at a vet minimum deal i think is a steal i think that's great Again, what he can provide will only help this team, but that was with the thought of, hey, Harden will be on this roster and we're going to run it back. So that will be a little interesting. Um, but I love that signing initially. Mo Bamba, look, take a flyer on the guy. He's he young. He, yeah, yeah, he's he's young. I, I view it at the same deal as like Cam Reddish, right? Where it's like mm -hmm. he clearly is skilled. Obviously, they're different players, but it's just the same, the same thought of like 
They're young. They're skilled. Maybe it's a right situation deal. Mobama works out with Embiid in the summer with Drew Hanlon, so that makes sense. I love the Mobama deal. Again, taking a flyer on him. Awesome. I think that's smart. The Paul Reed contract. We got to talk about this for a second because yeah. Danny Ainge just giving Philly the biggest middle finger ever. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it's true, though. It's true because apparently uh, the the GM of, uh, of Utah did something similar when they did this um, this sort of deal back in, um, with Jeremy Lin back in yep. Houston. Uh, you, you heard about that, right? Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. There's history there. Absolutely. So it just like the, the parts of that contract, the poison pill, all that stuff. Like Paul Reed has to be the happiest human alive because he even came out and he's like, I did not want to go to Utah. <laughs> so he is clearly happy that Philly picked up the option. I missed I that. I, I missed that news. That's funny. Yeah, pretty funny. He's like, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm not head of the Utah, and uh, <laughs> it, which is pretty hilarious. But again, signs that deal. Good for him. I think Philly fans, everybody just needed some sort of life from the front office of like, please, at least bring back Paul Reed. Um, I think that initially it is a fair deal. Look, signing him to that contract, everybody knows he will not be on the Sixers throughout the life of that contract. There's no way. Um, but for the meantime, I think for the next year and looking how Nick Nurse is going to use him, um, I like it. I, I'm glad that we retained him. I'm glad that uh, we're actually going get, to get to see some b-ball Paul minutes, which we begged for for a while when Doc was here. Um, so it will be nice to see how Nick Nurse uses him. But yeah, that uh, that whole deal with Danny Age in Utah just really giving it to us. Uh, you I couldn't mean- help but laugh. I could I could see him staying. I mean, yeah, there is the poison pill of if we make the second round, but I mean the the way that you trade him is if you can get two max guys and trading him is the only way that you can make slots for him. But honestly, seeing our free agent look, I don't see us getting two. I'm not even sure if we'll get one. So Yeah. Yeah. I, it's again it, it might be better just to keep him and just fill out the depth chart if you can trust Tyrese Maxey to make the next jump. You're right. And again, how Nick Nurse envisions having him be a part of this rotation. Like, I think Nick Nurse is going to use him in ways that uh, obviously he was not used with Doc. And I think that could be huge. And you're right. If if that does play out, Maxi makes another jump, which, by the way, him making the jump last year, I think, isn't talked about enough. Uh, yeah. Like, just unbelievable. So if he can even elevate his game even more, then you're right. Absolutely. He could stay, play out uh, the duration of his contract. Um, and just use it as a depth move. But yeah, that, that whole, that, that whole poison pill, the second round deal, all of that, uh, you just can't help but chuckle that that was uh, all part of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be honest. One of the biggest, I, I am happy for Shake Milton. Let me just mm-hmm. say that I am happy for Shake Milton because he was not going to get him the, um, the minutes he needed here in Philly. Yeah. And I think in Minnesota, I mean, look, how old is Mike Conley now? Like 36? Yeah, he's old. Yeah, he's old. Mm-hmm. And who's to say that Mike Conley is going to be a starting caliber point guard next year? Yeah. If he's not, look, shake Milton next to Anthony Edwards. I like that. I like it too. I mean, look, I, I know mm-hmm. it's unsustainable, yeah. but like shake did average 20s, uh, uh, six and seven when he was, no, 26 and five as a starter. I am with you. I think that honestly, Minnesota could be the perfect landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, I'm happy for all the dudes we lost. Like George I, I got paid. George, George got, got paid. George got paid and landed in such a good situation for him and his skill set. Like he, he's gonna be the first big man off the bench. He is the dude who he was used too much in Philly. And, and that that sucked because we saw what he was in Utah where he's a come in off the bench, let it fly, knock down shooter. The second he has to play defense or put the ball on the floor, it, it he's unplayable. And sadly, that's what happened. But I I really like Niang. I like what he gave us when he was here. Again, I think he was just thrust into a role that was a little bit bigger than what we all thought was going to be available for him. So him landing, he got paid. Him landing in Cleveland, I think, is a perfect spot. The, the uh, McDaniels going to Toronto, that one hurts a little bit. Um, again, just kind of dumping Matisse and landing McDaniels for just part of a year. And now he is in Toronto. Uh, look, I'm, I'm happy for all those dudes. That's great. 
but seeing them go one, two, three immediately in free agency where we weren't doing anything, just, I don't know. It was discouraging a little bit. So I think that's what made the Paul Reed that like, Oh, thank goodness we matched. There's life. There's something. Yeah. Um, we still have but, a roster spot too. At least one, right? Is yep, it one yep. or two? Yeah. So we still can make a move. I don't yeah. know who, but you know, <laughs> I don't either, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Minnesota is a perfect spot for shake. I want to see him do well uh, again, as long as it's not against us, uh, <laughs> shoot, the, shoot the lights out. Yang. That's great. Um, and same with McDaniels. I, I hope he flourishes there. The Toronto is going to be a weird team. I think with all the whole Siakam drama, I, do they I think they it? just need to embrace the rebuild. They need to, I, yeah. Yeah. they need yep. to look They're They're not a playing team right now. I just don't no. see it. Nope. I like, agree. like trade Siakam, trade Ananobi. You could trade Ananobi. You could afford to do that. You can trade yeah. Trent. Yep. You got, I agree. and then just start rebuilding around Barnes. And I mean, I don't think you can really trade Yakapurtle with that contract. But like, no, I mean, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, yeah they, they, I'm, I'm with you. They need to just embrace it um, and and move on. Uh, but especially with Van Vliet leaving. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm happy for all three of those dudes. Uh, I, I. I think that they they got what they deserve, and I hope out of all three, though, I'm with you. I hope that Shake actually gets minutes and flourishes in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, he could be the starter. I I think so. I mean, he last season he was shown that he can run an offense, and it looked good. Yeah, like, and... I, I I also think uh, Conley, whether he comes out of the gate as the starter, which if I were to put money on it, I think he will. I but think so too. Like you said, he's old. And he's not going to play the whole season. So he shake is going to get a, a absolute more of an opportunity um, than, and unfortunately with the hardened trade, right? It just, it forced shake out of the rotation. Um, yeah. But again, I think that he is going to get minutes. He's going to be able to prove himself. And I hope he, I hope he does really well. You know what this means though? We have to deal with more Korkmaz minutes. I, you, that's what I was going to say. You know that Ferk has just been watching all these dudes peace out and kind of shaking his head of like, man, I just, I, I need, I want a spot. Look, I was at, remember Fort, uh, Ferk's little run, hilarious run where he put up like career highs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at all the games that during that run and it was hilarious and it was awesome. But I think it tricked all of us because I'm like, you know what? There might be something, something inside of this guy. No, there's not. Oh, I mean, to be fair, not this past season, but the season before, he was dealing with a wrist injury. So you're you're fair, absolutely. Yeah. But so yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm with you. If if we see early Ferk rotation minutes, then uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, look, Daniel House rotation minutes is going to be iffy. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like that the fact that he can finish around the rim, but we need his three. We need him to be consistent three points. You shoot, you're right. You're yeah, absolutely so right. We'll see if we get, you know, um, da Houston um, house or not. All right. We're, let, let's go ahead and switch here. Now, this offseason, during the the course of this offseason, I've written articles about play, ranking the Sixers starters against the other starters in the league. And I've also, like, for each position, we talked about it in the podcast. So I'm not going to read through all those lists, but I'm going to tell you where I have them. And you're going to tell me how you feel about them. And if you need to know some more information of like who's behind them, who's ahead of them, just let me know. So we're going to start with point guard here. We're going to start with James Harden because until otherwise he's our point guard. I have him ranked 13th in the league. How does that make you feel? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Who do you have right above him and right right behind him? Okay, give me a second. Let me pull this up. Because initially, 
I think it might be uh, initially when you sent me these rankings, I'm like, okay, 13 kind of seems a little low. Um, but hearing names I, I, initially off the top of my head, I'm like, okay, you can rattle off almost 10 of them that I would put above Harden. Okay. Um, but I'm curious who you have like right above him and right beneath him. So right beneath him, I'm going to start at 15th and wor- work my way down to 11th. Okay. okay. 15, I have LaMelo Ball. Okay. 14, I have Trey Young. 13 is James. 12 is Darius Garland. At the time, I thought Devin Booker was going to be the point guard. It's not. It's going to be Bradley Beal, but um, I got Devin Booker at 11. Beal would probably be lower than all those guys at point guard, but still. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then do you need me to do some more? I got Drew at 10, Brunson at uh, 9, Fox at 8, Murray at 7, and Halliburton at 6. Yeah. That's honestly, I think it's a fair place for him. Uh, I think there's a fair argument that Trey could even jump him a little bit. Yeah, I'm not crazy about his efficiency. Yeah, agreed. Agreed there. Um, But yeah, I think that's, I honestly think it's a fair spot. Um, Out of all those dudes you read above him, like I I couldn't put Harden above them in, in good conscience. What about, what about, I mean, clearly you, you made these rankings. Like what, what, what went into it? What was your thought process? I mean, part of it is, so their performance last season, a little bit mm-hmm. projecting into next season, not too much, but performance last season and postseason play. Because mm-hmm. you have to include postseason or else Murray would have been a lot lower. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I, I that's how I did it for, for each one of these rankings. Um, so for the next one, I got Tyrese uh, Maxey at twelve. I also like Maxi at 12, I think, but I'm curious to hear who you have right above and beneath him. Okay, so I'm going to start at 15 again. I got Lou Dort at 15, Tyler Hero at 14, and an OB, because even though he's not a small forward, he's going to be starting at small forward for the Raptors. And I got DeJounte Murray at 11, 10, I have Clay Thompson, 9, Desmond Bain, Zach Levine at 8, Mikel Bridges at 7, and Bradley Beal. At six, though, if Booker's in the place, Booker's either one or two. So, yeah. so no. Again, I think that's a fair place. Um, I really, really like that Maxi is working with Drew Hamlin this offseason. Yes, um, I, I am so excited for that. So excited. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Joel's about to join him, too, right? Yep, yep. I think it's a fantastic move. I'm a huge fan of Drew Hamlin. And clearly, I mean, you look at all the dudes he's worked with, every single one of them has made jumps. Every single one of them is are all-stars, MVPs, like, excellent. So if he can help him unlock something else, which feels hilarious to even say, because, again, the jump that Maxi made even to last season uh, was so great and I think quicker than any of us thought. Um, but if he's able to unlock and help Maxi unlock something else where he can take it up a level, I mean, I will just be absolutely thrilled. But I think that's a good spot and a fair spot for him. So, funny thing, first off, you know what? There's another sixer that works out with Drew Hanlon that did not make a jump, though. Oh, oh no. Mo Bamba. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, again, uh, again, Mo has been hurt. Uh, when he got traded to LA, I mean, it's the classic. I mean, it's just the classic L.A. LeBron ah, teammate type mm-hmm. deal, everything like that. But you're right. Yeah. Mo, Mo has not made a jump. At well, all. to be fair to Mo. I think part of the issue that he's had is is not the skill set that he's lacking because he has the skills. Mm-hmm. I think it's the IQ and yeah. the drive. I think that's his biggest thing. I don't think it's skills because you look at his skill set, he has the skills. It's just the drive that I think he's lacking there. But we'll see. All right, I got now. Tobias Harris is out of his na- out of his natural position of power forward. We have him listed as small forward here because of PJ. So I have Tobias at seventeen. Okay. Who? I'm sorry. I keep asking this. I no, just, no, I that's love, fine. That's I love what hearing. We're here for. Yeah, yeah, I love hearing who's above and below. So I'm gonna start at 20 and go to 10. Okay. 20. I got Dylan Brooks. 19. Keegan Murray. 18. De- DeAndre Hunter. 17. T- Harris. 16. Th- uh, wing Jalen Williams of the Thunder. Okay. 15. Scotty Barnes. 14. R.J. Barrett. Michael Porter Jr. 13. Keldon Johnson, 12, and Franz Wagner, 11, and then 10 is Lowry Marketing because he's going to have to play small forward this year next with John Collins there. I, again, I think this is a fair spot. Um, uh, Tobias, again, I love Tobias. 
Tobias is, we all know he's not a max contract guy. That's why no. he just gets crushed. If you're hit, it's no fault of his. He took the money. He deserved like, take it. Of course, any of us mm-hmm. would take it. Um, but that's why all the backlash comes and it's deserved because he is not, he does not produce or play like a max contract player should produce and play. I think that putting him at 17 is fair. Um, there were even a couple guys you listed uh, who you've got below him who just are younger dudes who I. Oh, I Keegan Murray could jump ahead of him. No problem. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, I, I think I'm a big Keegan Murray fan. I'm just last year was part of the reason why he was lower. Of course. I mean, to of be course. fair, he was averaging like 12 points as the fifth option. That's pretty darn good. So. It's great. Yep. It's so great. I, 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 think I don't think there's any Sixers fan who right now would not swap those two. Uh, oh, I, in a second. In yep. A yep. But I agree. I think 17 again. I, this list so far, man, we're th- you're three for three. I think these are all fair. Josh, Josh you're on the right podcast. I carry the <clears throat> carry the torch for Tobias Harris on this website. He does. Uh, if you go on the Sixers sense, I'm sure you will see. I have repeated articles exactly what you said, where he is not a max player, but he did not ask for this contract. He was given it, and you're crazy if you think anyone wouldn't take it. So I'd like that answer. Yep, you've nailed it. Because, again, uh, it's no fault of his own, but, I mean, you've got to – with that comes the expectations. So, yeah, you're 100%. You've nailed it. All right. You ready for PJ? Ready for – that number's looking a little scary. He is 29th. (laughs) He is 29th on my list. Not a lot of people behind him. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? You want me to go through uh, 30 through 20? Please. Okay. 30 is Kevin Love. 29 is PJ. Keita Bates Diop is 28, though I think he could rise on a good team. Nicholas Batum is 27. Jabari Smith Jr. If he plays like he did in the summer league, he's going to be much higher. But for now, yeah, 26. 25, Pat Williams. 24, Jared Vanderbilt. 23, Obi Toppin, though I think he could make a jump too because I think he's going to shine in Indiana. I got Al Horford as 22, though him and Porzingis are pretty much interchangeable. I just put him at power forward because he's shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and Deek Bay, 21. And 20th is Grant Williams. Okay. So I am going to go to bat for PJ a little bit here. Oh, my gosh. Okay, here we go. Okay. So I don't think it's anything you guys haven't heard. Um, look, the lack of offense clearly is alarming. Yes. Um, however, PJ was absolutely not brought into Philly for any type of offensive output. He Yes, knocking down an cor- open corner three would be delightful. He showed a little bit of that in the playoffs. It was great. But he was brought in for exactly what he brought to the team last year. For that defensive dog mentality, for the hustle plays, for the dude who Joel has been begging for for his entire career to just give me somebody who will go to battle for me. Yes, Mike Scott was there for a second. But like PJ did what he was brought into Philly to do. Now look, there are a couple names who you listed who you've got above him that I would absolutely put him above. But it's looking at it from how the season played out last year and in the postseason, I can't blame you for putting him this low again, okay. just because he almost became unplayable. And okay. that's that sucked. So who would you have? Who would you have him jump on this? OK, you're going to have to go through just a 28. He's 29. 28 okay. is Keita Bates Diop. OK, yes, I would have him jump him. Nicholas Batum. I would also have him jump it to him. Jabari Smith Jr. That one, like you said, if we see just from what we saw from him in summer league, I would be okay with him being above PJ. Pat Williams. Another one that is questionable. <laughs> Jared Vanderbilt. I would have him above Vanderbilt. I yeah. disagree. Vanderbilt yes. was fantastic for the Lakers last okay, year. Okay, look, I I got to say this because I also am a Vanderbilt fan. But he also got put in – they're almost a weird comp player, actually. They are similar because he can barely shoot threes, but yep, he's, he, he's a bigger <laughs> version of P.J. Exactly. You're exactly right. The role that he played with L.A. was basically the exact same role that P.J. played for us. Um, no offensive output, but like you said, he's a bigger P.J. Um, again, that's just me. I like P.J. I like what he brought, but just the way that the season played out was such a bummer. And so I can't knock you for putting him this low. 
but again, I just think that people's expectations, like those, the stats where it's like PJ hasn't scored, PJ didn't score for however many games in a row. It's like, okay, hold on. Because any shots that PJ puts up, because I mean, he's not a chucker. He does not put up a lot of shots. Any shots that he does put up are shots away from Maxi, shots away from Embiid. Yes, it would be lovely to have him hit more open corner threes. That's exactly what we crushed Matisse for, who is a much better defensive player. Um, but I liked what PJ brought to the team. I thought that he brought exactly what we brought him into Philly to do. Yes, the lack of offensive output is discouraging. So I can't knock you too much, but there is my battle for PJ. Okay. That's a fair point. I like the devil's advocate. Okay. Because Jonathan completely agreed with me when we first did that. Okay. Oh, I mean, I think PJ's – no, I do agree with you, Lucas. I just think it's nice to see a different perspective that, yeah, I mean, expectation-wise, he didn't – he did what he was supposed to do, but that doesn't make him a good power forward. Yes, that's a, that's a perfect way to sum it up. All right, so this one, I don't know how you feel about this, but we have come to agreement here, here, that uh, thank God that Chris is not on the podcast anymore because he would chew this up so much, but I have Joel second on the center's ranking. Do you, uh, let me ask before I go in on this, do you both agree uh, with the second ranking here? Yes. Okay, I will go out on a limb. I will argue to my death at this point Joel Embiid is absolutely the second. I don't think that, like, Ooh. Are, are you guys saying that people would argue he should be first? I mean, I think it, Sixers fans would argue that he should would be first. Okay. I don't know, though. Like, Sixers fans, don't get me wrong, I am and love Sixers fans, but we, are, ira- we are irrational. And mm-hmm. I think even I and you, Lucas, have mm-hmm. come to be okay with him being number two. I, well, just, not okay, but accepting. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think Sixers fans would be okay with it. So I, obviously Jokic is number one. I think if Joel wants to have a chance of getting back into the conversation for number one, he has to at least win a title. Yep. Then we could start having that conversation. But Jokic, look, you could argue he's already a top ten center. Joel's knocking on the door if not already there, but Jokic is clearly a top 10 center. He could finish top five all time if he continues this his this tear because he's already a top 10 passer of all time and best passing center of all time. And it's just, you, you've you never seen a passing big man like this before. Now, Sabonis could be, very well could be the next one. Who knows? But for now, younger Sabonis, not older Sabonis. We don't know what older Sabonis did in, in, Europe, in uh, Russia, but, you know. <laughs> I am I am so glad that you guys both agree because it, you guys nailed it, right? Philly fans were known for being just crazy irrational, wear a heart on our sleeve, go to bat for our guys, but we're also known for turning on our guys for better or for worse. I don't want to say that Philly fans have turned on Embiid, but I have seen a mass majority, uh, at least on Twitter, who have, like you guys said, accepted the fact that Joel Embiid is not better than Jokic. And he isn't. What Jokic did was so eye-opening. Look, we all appreciated what Jokic did. The banter back and forth between Philly and Denver. It was fun. It was fun to knock and just kind of poke and prod about Jokic's defense and, and hey, throw him in a pick and roll every single time down the floor. But what he proved, what he showed this postseason run, I think changed. It, it just opened everybody's eyes, right? The matchups of Embiid and Jokic, look, I still, when they play head-to-head, I still am going to take Embiid 100% of the time. But with that said, I don't have anything wrong with saying, yeah, Joel Embiid's not as good as Nikola Jokic, who just came off of one of the most impressive, dominating postseason runs and performances that we've seen in a long time, especially for a big man. Jokic proved me wrong. I think he proved a lot of Philly fans wrong. I think he opened a lot of eyes. And I think a lot of Philly fans, I got to give them credit. I think that they have actually come to accept, as you mentioned, that Jokic is the better center at this point in their career. Absolutely. 100% Jokic is the best center in the league and Embiid is right behind him. I think you nailed it. Yeah. And look, this could all change. And look, if Joel can actually stay healthy for postseason and Maxime, look in my head and I I hope it changes. Yeah. Look, and like in my head, I've told myself, 
what if Maxi can make a Jamal Murray type of leap? Yeah. And then like Joel's a little more passive as a scorer and a little bit more of a playmaker because he can play make now. He yep. couldn't before, yep. but he can now. Yep. And maybe they play similar. Obviously, you can't, you know, copy what Jokic does. But if you can mimic it a little bit, maybe maybe that's a, you know, way to success. But let me give you my top 10 centers. and You tell me if you disagree or agree with this order. Okay. Uh, so, uh, obviously, we all agree on the top two. So let's see if you, you like the, the next of them. You got Vucevic at 10. Miles Turner at nine, DeAndre Aiden at eight, Brooke Lopez at seven, Kristaps Porzingis at six, Bam Adebayo at five, Sabonis at four, Anthony Davis at three, Joel at two, Jokic at one. Yeah, I think that's a good list. I I, truly, I don't, I don't, I would put it almost the exact same as what you guys have. Okay. There you go. There, I feel viol- validated. Yes, feel- dude. I'm very, very glad that we all agree. Again, like all of us want Embiid to be the best center in the league. Like that, that goes without saying. But I'm yeah. glad that we can at least take our our Philly and Sixers Homer goggles off for a second and just appreciate good basketball because that's exactly what happened this postseason. And look, it wasn't easy. I'll be the first one to admit I have had it out with Nuggets fans on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, and it's been it's been fun. But like. Just taking off that Homer hat for a second and being like, you know what? This was unbelievable. Like, he proved himself. I'm glad we all agree there. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully right, he well, decides to continue this day. Y- yeah, yes. well, looking forward, um, coming into this upcoming season, what would you say is, like, one, the thing you're looking forward to the most? I am looking forward to seeing Maxi, As you guys just mentioned, him, he, in order for the Sixers team to have any type of chance moving forward, he has to make another jump. He does straight up. That is what I'm looking forward to most. It's going to be interesting. I would say if I had to give you my top three, first is Maxi. Second is Nick Nurse and what he does to this roster and the pieces, where he plugs, where he plays, what is going to happen again with, with or without Harden. It's going to be fascinating to see what Nick Nurse does and how he utilizes guys. They've never been utilized before in Philly. I can't wait to see that. And then third is just the rotation. Like, what is it actually going to look like? Are you going to play another big on the floor with Embiid? Like, what is, are you going to throw Paul Reed at four and have Embiid in there? Like, what is going to actually happen? How does that look? How does that work? Those are my top three things. But I think for the Sixers team to make any type of actual run, Maxi is going to have to just take another crazy jump, another crazy leap. And again, it kind of is setting him up not for failure because again, the jumps that he's made right out of the gate are so big that nobody saw coming. So it feels almost unfair to say that and put those expectations on him. But I'm just saying for the Sixers to have actual realistic chance, Maxi is going to have to step up into that other role. And I hope he does. Now, so here's the one thing I'll say about Maxi. And I don't know if you followed stats uh, before the Harden trade, but for like last 10 games before Harden got traded, Maxi was averaging around six assists a game. Yeah. So I think that he can be a pure point guard for us. And I think that if if he makes the type of leap that we're hoping for, I think 25 and seven is not unrealistic for the guy. Yeah, that w- that would be huge. Yep, it would be huge. I agree. I it's so funny you say that. I remember going to bat because I think we had a nationally televised game. I don't remember who the commentator said, but like they basically said the thing that the Sixers are missing is a true pure point guard. And it was right after Maxi just put up a ridiculous stat line with something crazy like eight assists. And I was just like, what? I'm like, what are you talking? What game did you just watch? Like he clearly showed that he does have that in him. He, he is capable of that. Um, but that's what's going to be scary is like the scoring is going to have to come from elsewhere. I think I honestly think Embiid is going to look at this and be like, okay, scoring titles, check MVP, check defensive play of the year. Yes. What can I do to actually like those things were great. I've accomplished that when I did those things, we didn't get past the second round. What can I do in order to get over that hurdle? And maybe it is taking less shots. Maybe it is diversifying the offense a bit. Maybe it is more focusing on using his energy on the defensive end. I am fascinated to see that. But it, if Embiid does take that route, then some those I mean those points have to come from somewhere else. And we know Maxi can score. 
let's see if he can actually, again, just produce a little bit more and take it to another level. But I, if I were to put money on it, I would say that is realistically probably what happens. I think that we see a different Joel Embiid out of the gate who is taking less shots, who's using that energy that he's used on the offensive end because we've needed it. Now he's a little bit more using on the defensive end and having that mindset. Definitely. Well, before we let you go, let's get a prediction for next season. What do you think's happening with the Sixers where they finish regular season, what the postseason kind of looks like? And I'm 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 scared. <laughs> the East is tougher. The top of the yeah. East is tough. It you is, could go man. like you could go to the betting window with a loss in the second round, I'm sure. Yeah. Again, like it's it's to the point now, again. Jokic having this success that he does, it has put so much pressure now on on Embiid to not only win, but like he has to get past the second round. Like he has to. Anything else is a giant failure, not just in Philly, but like league-wide. That That's what needs to happen. So I don't know, man. I, I Non-Sixers homer hat on. I think it's a, a the we get to the second round and I'd be thrilled if we got past it, but non Sixers hat, I say that it's a second <laughs> round again, Sixers hat on. Uh, I think that somehow if there's one thing that Maury is known for, Daryl Maury is known for is actually making things happen and getting star players on his rosters. I think Sixers hat on again. I think he's going to miraculously pull something out, whether it's, uh, Zach Levine's been mentioned a bunch. I don't know if that's realistic, but I, I think that more, I would absolutely love it as well. I, I think that Maury makes something happen because he sees a window. I, I will say this, had a conversation with him. Uh, this was in Atlanta during the Hawks Sixer series, which still pains all of us to, to this day. Yeah. I had a conversation with him where he straight up said, look, we know what this window is. I know what this window is. I know what Embiid's window is. He is the guy. I will do whatever is possible to maximize that window. People have talked about maybe taking a weird gap year with the Harden situation. I know that's not going to happen because I know Daryl knows what the championship window is. And I realistically think maybe it's, you could argue it's been the last three years. Maybe we've got another year or two with that. Uh, knock on wood with Embiid's health. Um, I think that he gets really aggressive. I think he makes something happen out of nothing. And I think that we all of a sudden get a little bit more life. It happens every year where fans feel down and then something happens and it pumps a little bit of life into, into Sixers basketball and, and us fans again. So Sixers hat on, I think Maury makes something miraculous happen. I think that we get a little bit more juice and a little bit more life into this team. Um, And I think we make it past the second round. There you go. How about that? I like the Sixers hat on. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's scary, (laughs) but I like putting it on. Absolutely. Lucas, you got anything else? Uh, no, I think I'm good, man. Uh, you, Thanks for coming on, man. Very much appreciate it. Yeah, you guys kidding? I love chatting with both you guys, for real. Lucas, John, you guys are great. Love what you guys are doing. Um, for real, thank you for having me on. Again, it's always a great day when I get to chat Sixers basketball, and it's even better day when I get to do it with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining. And to all the listeners, go out, read Josh's stuff, find him on Twitter. Um, at that's ball folks, right? Yes, sir. That's ball. Folks. And, uh, yeah. So read his stuff. Um, and we, as always, we appreciate you listening before we head out today. We are a Sixers site, but have to hit the breaking news when we're recording the Phillies, Michael Lorenzen through a no hitter 14, 14th in franchise history. How awesome. What a, by the way, what an underrated deadline pickup. People were crushing the Phillies for not being more aggressive and his second yep. game out, he throws a no hitter. Huge. That's huge news. So, yep, that is when we're recording, just so everyone knows. But, again, appreciate everyone listening. Go read Josh's stuff. Please go read our stuff over at the Sixer Sense. Um, You can listen to the podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever you listen to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Until next time, go Sixers.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.